Welcome to GRE Snacks, snackable episodes about the GRE exam and graduate school admissions. I'm Tyler, founder of Achievable, and we have an f- affordable GRE course that includes everything you need to ace your GRE exam. A full textbook, videos on key topics, tons of GRE questions backed by our memory-enhancing algorithm, a built-in study planner and essay grader, and full-length practice exams. You can try it out for free at Achievable.me, and if you like it, use the code PODCAST to get 10% off at checkout. Now, let's get started. Today, we have Clay Daniel with Claiborne Education back on the show. And Clay, I'd love if you could just introduce yourself for those who haven't heard you before. Sounds great. Um, yeah, so hi, Tyler and everybody. I'm Clay Daniel. I've been in test prep for about 20 years and um, been doing one-to-one uh, prep for all kinds of different standardized tests for about 15 years. I love working with graduate students seeking to take their next step after college and the GRE is uh, obviously the the means to that for many students, and ultimately, it's the puzzle of the test itself that is uh, just kind of fun to try to crack that code. Uh, something that I enjoy doing together with students, and and um, hopefully helping them have have fun with it as well. Yeah. So today um, we're going to be walking through um, some GRE verbal questions, specifically sentence uh, equivalence questions. Um, so can you do me a favor and just kind of describe what these are? Sure. They are a, a unique question type that uh, I guess in a fit of creative inspiration, perhaps the the folks at ETS came up with. Most students are probably used to some sort of vocabulary fill in the blank. But the unique thing with sentence equivalence is that you're not only filling in a blank based on context but filling in that blank with two answers instead of one. And those two answers are not only appropriate for the blank, but they're also synonyms of each other. So it kind of, it doubles the task in a way of what the questions are calling for. Yeah, and it's also, what makes them particularly tricky in my mind is that they have... um, basically asked you to find two equivalent vocab words out of six right or two words like that because it's it's not just that both the words can fit in the blank right it's that they have to have the similar meaning as well is that correct that's correct yeah so you're right that adds to the challenge especially because the vocabulary can be challenging so you know maybe you know one of the answers but the other might mm-hmm. be elusive uh, on on the other hand it does i think give you in some ways, more to work with, more hints almost. So it's good to come at it from that side as well. Yeah, very interesting. Well, yeah, so today for this exercise, we're going to be using, we're going to be answering five questions from um, a PDF, and we'll read out the questions for you so you can follow along. Is this a PDF that you can get anywhere online, or is this something that uh, we'll just do it over uh, audio. Yeah, it's available. I, I think it's available online. Um, it, was, it was downloadable from the GRE website. It, it and so if mm-hmm. if it's not on there, you can certainly Google it. Um, but it's there's two PDFs that are connected to the original change in the GRE back in 2011 or so when it moved to the new scoring scale. Uh, that they released at that yeah. time. And they're still very similar to to what you'll see on the digital test. Great. 
Yeah, that sounds good. We'll uh we'll make sure to put that in in the description. Um, or you can just follow along in the audio with the questions here. Um, well, but great. Let's jump into the first one. So number fifteen here. Uh, do you want me to read off the questions? Do you, or how do you want to do this? Okay, sure. Why don't you read the question? I'll read. I'll read the the choices, and then we'll discuss. Sure. All right. So the question is: Early critics of Emily Dickinson's poetry mistook this for simple-mindedness. The surface of artlessness that, in fact, she constructed with such blank. All right. And for answers, remembering that we need to pick two of them, we have astonishment, craft, cunning, innocence, naivety, and vexation. So when you look at a sentence like that, really the first step is to, is to pick up all the clues. It's kind of like a little mini research project. You know, the longer the sentence, the more the the relevant clues that might be there. But I'd say there's at least four words or phrases that begin to point toward a, a, what the blank is looking for. You want to start listing whatever you see there? Yeah, the first um, the first thing that I notice right is basically what the critics are saying is that. Emily Dickinson's poetry was simple-minded, right? Um, and so basically what that in fact she constructed with such blank is probably going to be something good. Okay. Uh, it's probably going to be something that it could be the opposite of simple-mindedness. Um, yeah. And so that's kind of the first thing that I noticed. The second thing is there's this like middle part where it's like, she they mistook for simple mindedness the surface of artlessness, so the artlessness is the feature that we're not necessarily debating, mm -hmm. but it is sort of like a key. It like that does describe what her poetry is like, basically. Great. So so just to fill in one one part that you you picked up on, in the sense that you said we're looking for the opposite mistook was your clue for that yeah. right the critics aren't correct and that's why we're swinging the opposite direction and and then i right. think also the phrase in fact reinforces that more because it right. follows this misconception right yeah the they're they're basically telling you that the fact is that something else is true yeah so the sentence is fairly comprehensible with a possible exception of the word artlessness. That's the most uh -huh. challenging word, right? The only, the only big time GRE word in the sentence itself, probably. Any sense of uh -huh. what that is, either from your background or the context? Um, I like don't know the definition, but I would guess that in a very plain sense, it means the lack of art. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Taking so, apart the word. <laughs> yeah. I think that that's probably roughly, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, um, I, I actually think simple mindedness might, might be the more important word to contrast with, but that's just my opinion. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's right. It were especially to contrast with, the artlessness, as you said, isn't necessarily a flaw in the work. It's this surface feature. You, you see it and you, you see artlessness. Um, and I think the nuance of, of artless is probably simplicity 
or sometimes artless can mean a lack of guile. Like you're not trying to fool anybody. It's just straightforward. And notice if we say simplicity, it takes that word simple-mindedness, but takes away the negative connotation. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it's like uh, the artlessness is actually part of the part of the art almost. Yeah, ironically enough. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I like how you said it's it should be encouraging to students, I think, that we can answer this question without a being able to supply a dictionary definition for artlessness. Because the opposite mm -hmm. of simple-mindedness, if that's your prediction, that actually should be enough here. Yeah. So let's uh let's look at the answer choices. Yeah. Um I think there's a couple that we can I mean, I don't know if this is how you would do it, but for me. I rule out a couple of these right away. Um, naivety definitely is wrong uh -huh. because uh, naivety is a negative thing and we're looking for a positive thing. Right. Um, and then beyond the rest of them, right, so it's astonishment, craft, cunning, innocence, naivety, and vexation. Um, so astonishment... That one's like that one's weird. Like maybe it's astonishing how good her poetry is, but like it also seems like the astonishment's coming from her for coming from her while writing them, which would be wrong. That'd be craft. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, craft is kind of the obvious correct answer to me. Like usually with these, like one of the two correct answers is pretty easy, and then the other one's a lot harder. I feel like craft is like what she constructed with such craft. Uh yeah, that totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think B is for sure yes, and then there's cunning, innocence, and vexation. I think vexation again, like astonishment. Like I think that it implies that she was vexed while writing it, which would be wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, and then innocence doesn't. So then it's innocence and cunning, and basically because we're trying to contrast simple-mindedness, I think that cunning is probably the better fit here. Innocence, like, it's kind of a word that, like, it could work, but does it really hold the meaning correctly? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think cunning and craft are my two answers. Excellent. Opposite of, of simple-mindedness, both of them have the sense of careful artistry, actually, in what she's mm -hmm. doing. A lot of thought went into it. It wasn't just this simple-minded thing. And uh, I think the other thing that can reinforce and kind of confirm the answer for us, not only that craft and cunning have a lot of overlap in meaning, so they're, they're good synonyms, but also right. there's usually a wrong answer pair that's also synonymous. And I would point to innocence and naivety. Even though you might think, you know, naivety might sound a little more negative than innocence. The question really is not, are they not, if you look them up in the dictionary, you will see word for word, the exact same definition, but do they have significant overlap that especially in context, you could see them meaning the same thing. And I think D and E do that here because innocence, according to one definition is naivety. Cunning, according to one definition is, is craft even though cunning mm -hmm. sometimes has this other maybe extra meaning, like cunning, I almost think of the evil genius, you know, coming up with 
his his plans. That's not the the idea here. It's it's definitely the closest one to the blank. Um, notice that the the instructions say that the synonyms need to produce completed sentences that are alike in meaning. So, like mm-hmm. most things with any sort of reading or vocabulary, it's the context with the entire sentence plugging in these two answers. Do we get the same? sense in the context and and we definitely do with with b and c great all right yeah thanks for explaining like in kind of providing some color on that one sure um cool so yeah do you want uh, number 16 while in many ways their personalities could not have been more different she was ebullient ebullient i actually have never seen that before (laughs) i think ebullient Yeah. Ebullient, E-B-U-L-L-I-E-N-T. Yeah. Um, She was ebullient where he was glum. Well, ebullient is possibly the opposite of glum, so that's helpful. Um, Relaxed where he was awkward. Garrulous where he was blank. They were surprisingly well-suited. So here we go. We're now now we're in the real GRE. Yes, we are. uh, Where you don't know half these words, right? Um, So, okay. So while... In many ways, their personalities could not have been more different. Bunch of things. They were surprisingly well-suited. So those two parts of the sentence are not super relevant other than to just set you up to say these are uh, contrasts, contrasting comparisons. So she was ebullient where he was glum, uh, but you don't need to know ebullient, so that's fine. We can ignore that. Relaxed where he was awkward, okay. Garrulous where he was blank. Well, uh, yeah, this is going to be a tricky one because I do not know what garrulous means. So what would you do here? That does make it tricky. Yeah, that's a great question. And it's important to say first off that there's no substitute for a good vocabulary study. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's an important part of the GRE. It can be laborious, but I always tell my students, try to Try to appreciate the side effects of what this will do for your vocabulary, just generally, right? Um, it's a yeah. It can really um, Im- improve your your reading and writing to to know these words. Uh, so I would say first off, strategically, not to be discouraged. Mm-hmm. This is certainly a harder question among the GRE questions, especially when we go into the answer choices. Garrulous is the kind of word you're going to need to know if you're shooting for, let's say, above a 160 on the verbal. Mm-hmm. And that might not be everybody. So you, you have to be strategic about what your preparation is going to look like. Um, but yeah, having said that, I think the best strategy first off is let's find, let's see if we can find synonyms because they're usually, mm-hmm. there's usually one pair in the answers that, I mean, I should say two, two choices that have no pair, mm-hmm. they have no synonym. If we can identify that, we could rule them out. So mm-hmm. we have, we'll just throw them out. I'll, I'll read them aloud and you can tell me which ones sound familiar to you. Maybe we could start there. Um, solicitous, mm-hmm. munificent, irresolute, laconic, fastidious, taciturn. Yeah, these are all good vocab words. Sure. Um, well, let me try to see. The thing is, um, yeah, a lot of these I feel like so that um, I don't know 
Or I might know one definition, but I'm worried I don't know a second definition. There are a lot of GRE vocab words that they like to use in these situations yep. that will have two meanings, right? Mm -hmm. And you could look at, um, I don't know, for instance, like quarry. This is like a really simple one. Quarry, it can mean a giant pit where people mine stone and rocks, or it can mean like prey. Mm -hmm. So totally different meanings, right? So right. I feel like... Um, I'm just going to go with what I what the meanings I know of these things. So, okay. Uh solicitous I'm going to say means you're soliciting something. All right. I like how you're So part of speech. Yeah. Part of speech, uh which means that you are, you know, either like a salesperson asking something or, you know, a, an annoying relative <laughs> trying to get something. Okay. Whatever it is. So that's kind of solicitous. Um, munificent, I actually just don't know at all. Okay. Um, irresolute, opposite of resolute. Uh -huh. So that's going to be someone who does not have a ton of resolve or conviction. Right. Um, laconic, I don't know. Okay. Fastidious, I feel like I should know, but I don't think I do. And then taciturn, I don't know. So this one might be kind of hard yeah. for me to do on my own because <laughs> I'm missing, <laughs> missing the majority of the vocab. But, um... Let's let's maybe if you want to talk through what some of these words mean and how why or how we could rule them out as a group okay. without knowing garrulous. I do think it's good to go through this exercise without you revealing what garrulous means, maybe. Because I think it's like this is a, a real thing that will happen on the GRE that you'll have to do. Definitely. Let's start with the irresolute, since you were most confident about that and and, and um, you're right, lacking lacking resolve. So the first question you you might at least as an educated guess see if you felt like any of the other words could mean that i, I know it's difficult mm -hmm. to do without uh, you know with these sorts of words but it does it's a fairly specific definition it would be hard to find a synonym for that and it it turns out that there isn't one um irresolute right like fastidious i think might be somewhat close to resolute if i remember correctly but it's not irresolute right it's yeah it's, fastidious it's a, is very it's not quite like resolute but it is uh very careful very concerned about detail um scrupulous with details to use another maybe gre word and then back to solicitous you're right that the root comes from solicit um but it it, it actually means um caring for another's welfare it's solicit in the sense mm. I'm trying to solicit how you're doing. You might use solicit in that those contexts. Um, but actually, so so let's say that A, C, and E, I think it's fair to say those might be solicitous, irresolute, and fastidious might be more familiar to the average reader than the other three. It turns out none of those really has a synonym pair here. So uh -huh. I th here's a really important principle. I find that students are afraid to select an answer whose meaning they don't know. But that uh -huh. doesn't really make sense strategically, right? Because that could well be the answer. I mean, why why be afraid to choose it because you don't know it? You're just kind of shutting yourself off from a something that's as likely to be the answer as something you do know. So I'd prefer to think of it more by elimination and say it doesn't look like it's any of those three. And in fact, it's it's not. None of them has a synonym pair. So it, uh -huh. we've only got three left, two out of three remaining, at least. Yeah, pretty good odds, actually. Yeah, not too bad. 
so from there, it, it does come down to vocabulary study. And I'll, I'll just give a couple of principles. I liked how you were looking at part of speech with solicit, irresolute. You said opposite of resolute. So you were using the prefix there. That's great. Mm -hmm. I like to add color wherever possible. How to make it interesting or even funny. Like we tend to remember things that are funny or odd or memorable. I love the root meaning of laconic. That actually goes uh, back to a, an alternate name for the, the city-state of Sparta in ancient Greece. Mm. They were people of few words, men of few words, right? Who, who They spoke with their, with their spears, you might say. They were known for yeah. their battle skills. Um, that makes laconic maybe easier to remember if you have that picture. You could even imagine watching the movie 300, you know, we are Sparta. Of course, he's speaking there, but he didn't have a lot of words. And that's what laconic means, a person of few words. Um, so I like that, that background. And then taciturn, maybe that's unfamiliar, but what about the word tacit? If you've heard the phrase, a tacit agreement without speaking. Mm, implied, yeah. Yeah, implied. So no speaking is necessary. Those kinds of, it, it, it's about kind of using everything in your arsenal to get as close as you can to the meaning, even if you don't have 100% certainty. Um, so it, it does turn out to be laconic and taciturn, uh, quiet right. or um, not. Yeah, I see, I see what you're getting at here, right? Which is that, like, you know, he's kind of a man of few words, you know, person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, yeah, it's he, she was jubilant where he was glum. That was actually a clue. True. Relaxed where he was awkward is also a clue. And then if you knew garrulous, if I have to guess now, garrulous probably means like very outgoing and talkative. You bet. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, if you knew garrulous, this would all be a lot easier. But even without that, maybe you could have guessed the meaning of garrulous based on the first parts of the sentence, right? So it's almost like a, if you have like a puzzle, right? You only know if you only know glum, relaxed, and awkward, which are by far the easiest words. Mm -hmm. You can still figure out what ebullient, ebullient, ebullient. Excuse me, I keep pronouncing it wrong. You can still kind of figure out what ebullient means because it's the opposite of glum. And then you've got four pieces, and then you can maybe make a guess about garrulous. I don't know. I don't know if that. I feel like probably going to the answer choices and doing it the way that we did it is probably superior, but I think those are both avenues to consider when you're dealing with something that you don't know the word. Agreed. I mean, if these are like solving puzzles, if you ever try to try to puzzle or some, or a game that's like a puzzle, sometimes you come at it different ways. Find what works for yeah. you. Yeah. Very cool. All right. So now I think it's probably a good time to go on to 17. Um, I was thinking maybe. So, uh, oh, go ahead. You want to skip to number eighteen? Um, just, I think that has that has has something that I wanted to um, point Cover. out here more. All right, sure. So then, eighteen. Even in this business, where blank is part of everyday life, talent for lying is not some something usually found on one's resume. So this one does not have a million vocab words in it. Thankfully. Um, and it's basically saying where blank is part of everyday life, a talent for lying is not something usually found on one's resume. So it's even in this business and then a talent for lying tells me 
that in this business lying is commonplace. Yes. Um, that's that's like the first thing. The second thing is that these people are a little bit incredulous. Another vocab word uh, that th- they put that their talent for lying on the resume when you know it's something that's usually kind of unspoken. Sure. Um, that's that's kind of the first clues that I got. Um, and then yeah, uh, I'd be curious if you want to read the answer choices and we can talk through it. Yeah, and let me just point out that. Well, I think the second thing you said is interesting, but not necessary for the blank. And and you seized on lying. And what's great about that, you know, I always have my students try to make some prediction of what's in the blank before they go to the choices, uh, even if it's not just mm-hmm. one word. But the reason I wanted to look at this question is that the best clue for the blank is already in the sentence. And you untangled the context to say, okay, let's just say lying. We don't need to come up with our own word. It's already there. So as I read the choices, we're already in such better shape than we were with garrulous. You can just sort of mentally start checking things off or saying, oh, that might be on the table as we're going lying down each one. So with that, is lying like first choice aspiration, mendacity, prevarication, insensitivity, baseness, or avarice? I'd be willing to bet that most people listening to that list had at least one that they're ready to toss toss off the ship. What what about you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, aspiration can definitely be tossed off the ship because I don't know, you're not asp- you're not like aspiring to lie, uh, and probably, well, I don't know. I think that's the fr- that's the one that I would toss immediately. I, I am curious. Yeah, again, this is a good exercise for me because uh, I I have not been brushing up on my GRE vocab recently. I'm not taking the test. Um, insensitivity is interesting, right? Because it could kind of work. So that's one of those answer choices where if you find a synonym to it, it'll work. Mm. Um, and then the other one that I think is a synonym to insensitivity, and I'm just trying to make sure, like, I don't quite remember this word's meaning is avarice. I think avarice is kind of like a lack of caring, if I recall correctly. Avarice is actually um, greed. It's 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 oh, narrower greed. than greed. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So then that that is narrow, definitely different than insensitivity, but it it fits very well. Where greed is a part of daily life, you know, a talent for lying is not usually found on one's resume. That could work too. Okay, good. Um, yeah. Did, were you gonna baseness? Yeah, uh-huh. baseness to me is like you, your baser instincts. Again, yeah, like it could kind of fit if there's a synonym. So then it's mendacity, which I don't quite remember the the meaning of in prevarication. Great. Well, let's so let's look at the insensitivity, baseness, and avarice one by one. One mm. good thing, as you pointed out, is that they're all negative. So if we if we start out with just kind of a positive, sometimes you can have like a positive negative grid. We want a negative answer. Mm-hmm. Lying is bad. Mm-hmm. The first answer was aspiration, which I would say turns out to be the only sort of positive word, and that was the easiest one for you to get rid of. So then we have yeah, kick out. yeah three negative words, but there might, then we say how close is the meaning, and sometimes it's broader or narrower. I, li- I like how you said baser instincts. Notice how broad that statement is. If somebody is 
appealing to their baser instincts. It's kind of, Uh that's bad, but it could be a lot of different things, a lot of different ways of being bad or acting badly. So you might leave it on the list as a possibility. (laughs) It's broad. Um, Similarly, insensitivity, I I would say that lying to somebody is a demonstration of insensitivity. But insensitivity is definitely broader than lying. There's a lot of ways to Uh be insensitive. Lying would be just one of them. So D and E are unlikely. If you think of kind of like a camera zooming in or out, is that zooming process? They're probably too broad. We want, we really want lying. Um, So if we leave greed on the list, I would say, you know, greed can be close. um, Uh But do we have words that actually mean lying and the cool thing about this choice is it goes back to what i said about don't be afraid to pick an answer whose meaning you don't know if you're at least 50 percent sure it's not the other ones if we uh-huh. say um okay greed fine but if b and c the two tough words mendacity and prevarication if they actually mean lying then i would choose them over avarice and it turns out yeah. they do um, and so the only, the two real GRE words among this list are the right answers, but there is hope in that because we were able to discuss the other four. Right. And we had, we got ourselves to a point where basically, you know, we had a two thirds chance of getting it right as opposed to like a much lower chance. So that's good. Right. right? Cause if you're picking two out of three, um, so yeah, I mean, in this case, right. Like if I were in. If I were in these shoes, I would be tempted to pick avarice because I know it and then pick whatever one I think is closest to avarice. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's probably wrong. So I'd love for you to kind of like talk through the logic of picking the two answers you don't know if you've kind of, if the other ones aren't a perfect fit. Yeah, it has a lot to do with how specific the sentence seems to be expecting, how specific a word the sentence seems to be expecting. Uh, the context seems to be really setting it up, narrowing it to lying. It's not really leaving it open to other ways of being bad. I mean, I even think of like the seven deadly sins here, right? Um, greed uh-huh. is among them. Well, maybe maybe lying isn't actually one of the seven deadly sins, but it's certainly a different kind of of sin than than greed. I think I think what's challenging is. Maybe we associate the two because they are commonly present at the same time. If somebody's greedy, they're often lying to get what they want. But you really have to be confident in your prediction, for one thing. If we said the context uh-huh. seems to say lying, let's be confident in that and not settle for words that are just associated, greed and lying, but really do mean the same thing. Yeah, cool. <clears throat> I like that one. Yeah. Um, so then, do you want to go to seventeen or nineteen now? Um, we can go back to seventeen now. I wanted, yeah, I wanted listeners to hear how lying could be plugged right in there. Um, so great. Let's uh-huh. let's go back to seventeen. Great. Yeah, and then maybe I'll. Maybe, oh yeah, you can read this one then. Um, and I was going to say maybe we can try the plugging in again. Great. Like plugging in like your ideal word before you look at the answers. Great. Yeah. Let's let's discuss that. That sounds good. So this one says. Since becoming commissioner, Mr. Vincente has snapped at the heels 
of the dominant firms in European industry more blank than his smoother predecessors and has consequently acquired many more enemies. What hints do you see in that one? Yeah, well, the opposite of smoother is rougher. Yeah. So more more roughly than his smoother predecessors. Good. Uh, is probably what I would go with. And consequently acquired many more enemies. That adds a little to it. Oh, no. Not. You've heard of the phrase like rough around the edges. Maybe we get that sense from the smoother versus rougher. Right. But I think that other part refines our understanding even more. He's not just kind of like... Somebody could be rough around the edges, but they're kind of charming and maybe, you you know, you, you kind of like being with them. No, he's acquiring enemies. So we mean rough in the mm -hmm. sense of um, he's fighting. He's. Yeah. Brusque. Yeah. He's, brusque. Uh, he's kind of like um, doesn't care about their feelings very much. Yeah. Kind of doing what he thinks he needs to do. And then snapped at the heels mm -hmm. implies that he's kind of, I mean, first it implies that he's like kind of attacking. Yeah. Threatening. Yapping dog. Uh, but then also, right, it gives you a visual of the yapping dog. And it also gives you the impression that he's annoying. Yeah. Yeah, great. So maybe instead of reading all the answers, I'll throw them out one at a time. And you can say yes, no. Or like if you're saying maybe it might have to do with being unfamiliar with the meaning mm -hmm. knowing that we want rough aggressive annoying something like that so first one is sporadically what do you think like sure um because it is technically a way of being the opposite of smooth mm -hmm. is being mm -hmm. is being like sporadic and sort of unpredictable okay um so I think that's that one isn't disqualified. Okay. Irascibly. I do not know what this word means, but, you know, era. I'm not a Latin expert by any means, but like, ir like I think of irritated. Yeah. Ire. Um, yeah, ire. So I think it stays. Okay. Yep. Persistently. Um, that one is too complimentary to um the and it also is like too similar to smoother right because it does fit in the first half of the sentence like mr vicente has snapped at the heels of dominant firms in the european industry more persistently true but then it would be to say than his lazier predecessors or whatever or just than his predecessors right um so the word smoother really screws screws that one up and disqualifies it i think great Pugnaciously. I mean, to be pugnacious is to be kind of like dislikable, right? It is. So, I mean, I, th I think that fits pretty directly in there. Okay. Fitfully? Fitfully, I think, is really an interesting one because it is a synonym of sporadically. Um, and I think that, like, fitfully and sporadically are almost identical synonyms. Um, and they both are opposites of smoother. Okay. So I actually, I think that those might be the answer choices. Okay. Um, good observation. We'll keep, we'll yeah. keep fitfully. It's definitely hopeful that, that they're, they have their synonyms. Yeah. How about judiciously? Uh -huh. 
Uh, judiciously is not an opposite of smoother. Again, like persistently, it would fit in the sentence in a normal, in a, if you weren't being super worried about the word smoother, but because you have to be, because this is a GRE, mm-hmm. it's also out. Great. Okay, so we got rid of persistently and judiciously. I think the question then is the remaining two words that we haven't mm. kept as synonymous. Are they synonyms? Could they be synonyms and a better fit? Irascibly, pugnaciously. And I'll just add the detail that you're right about the root of irascibly. I think it does have to go back to the Latin for anger. Um, Mm -hmm. Pugnaciously also goes back to the Latin. Pugnare means to fight. The fancy word Mm -hmm. for a boxer is a pugilist. Starts with Mm P-U-G. In light of that... Do you see that I would say there's a there's a difference in connotation between those and yes. the other pair? Yeah, so the two pairs are bit now like and this is a good a good example question because we're basically deciding between two pairs where we kind of know everything. Right. And you've got one pair that's about it being sporadic and unpredictable, which is the direct opposite of smoother mm-hmm. and then the other pair is about it being frustrating and sort of like malicious and annoying mm-hmm. which is not the opposite of smoother but it is related to the snapping of at the heels and the many more enemies i think though if i were to so it's like basically do you do you go with the general context people don't like this guy or do you go with this is literally the opposite of smoother Mm. um and i think i'm gonna go with literally the opposite of smoother and say it's sporadically and fitfully okay it's actually irascibly and pugnaciously ah darn (laughs) and i think yeah i definitely see your reasoning i think what you'd want to ask there in light of the fact that he's made enemies is could you could you maybe be misunderstanding smoother or need to slightly change that to not just mean that they are, um, I don't know, they do th- like smooth in terms of execution. Yeah. But maybe smooth in terms of like attitude. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Or some, yeah. Somebody who's smooth can also be really good. I think like a politician, really good at sort of getting people to like them or spinning things or, you know, um, have this ability to be popular in that sense of smooth, almost like stylish or suave or savvy. Um, So if, if you're kind of between two, you could ask, is one of the clues that I'm using, could I shift, could I use it an alternate meaning like you mentioned earlier? And then Mm -hmm. it kind of, the whole sentence falls to falls together. Interesting. So, okay. That yeah, that was a good mistake to for me to make, I guess. For yeah, listeners. it was. I w- I was thinking like, okay, well, we're either voting with like, do you do you vote for the direct like correlating two vocab words and like these things are the opposite of the word that's clearly meant to be the contrast word for this, or do you vote with like the general context of the sentence? And so I thought, well, the context of the sentence could be a trap. Um, but maybe, but the issue was actually that I didn't think about the vocab word in the way where it would actually fit into the context of the sentence more appropriately. Yeah. Um, 
Somewhere. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Cool. Well, let's do 19 then. Um, do you want to read this one or do you want me to read this? Yeah, I'll go ahead. Uh, economic competition among nations may lead to new forms of economic protectionism that harken back to the mercantilism of an earlier age. There are signs today that such protectionism is indeed blank. Yeah, so it's funny because uh, the word that I would choose to fit in here uh, would basically be resurgent. Oh, nice. <laughs> right? Or like <laughs> or like coming back, right? Yeah. If you want to use it. Like, I think probably when you're filling in your own blank, you should try to use like fifth grade words or something. Right. So, you know, coming back or on the rise again or sort of whatever you'd want to put there. But uh, resurgent definitely is what popped into my head. And that's one of the answer choices. So that's exciting. Yeah. So it's nice when you nail it on the <laughs> nose. Um, but let me ask you, how did you what was the major clue that you wanted something coming back? Yeah, because. Um, it says harken back. Yeah. Right. And so it's basically saying this trend is this trend is like it used to be at an earlier time. Mm -hmm. And then there are signs today that said trend is indeed blank. Right. Mm -hmm. Which it, to me is like is indeed coming back. Yeah. Great. I, th I think you picked up on on everything. And, and that certainly is great that we have one. Already, you know, I'll often have my students actually cover up the choices with their hand so that um, in that sense, it's even it can be even more impressive when they do what you just did and, and nail an answer right <laughs> right away. But that's a great uh, we're in a we're in a good position having probably almost or almost certainly one of the answers. There are some mm -hmm. tricky GRE words in this one, but maybe we can start by elimination of ones that don't appear to mean resurgent. Um, so let's take them mm -hmm. one at a time. Have you heard of ev evanescent before, or maybe the noun form evanescence? Um, I've heard of evanescence as a band. Yes. <laughs> uh, but I, my, my rough guess when I, and I mean, this, this, this is probably not the best logic, but like evanescence to me, like I think of like almost like effervescence. <laughs> Actually, that's <laughs> right. That's like, close. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think of like I think of like kind of like an aura of or like a bubbling up. Even uh, mm -hmm. I know that that and and you know I feel like it's really dangerous to recommend that people look at two vocab words that like look and sound the same and assume that they have similar meanings, but. I think that in this case they do. <laughs> You're um, right. Yeah, they, they are. They are similar. I think maybe evanescent lacks the uh, a little bit of the bubbling, almost like that little bit of um, fizz or spray that you get when you open a a soda or something, soda can. Uh, right? But yeah. that's effervescence. But evanescent does mean disappearing quickly. Um, so mm. in that case, you know, sometimes you have to go with your gut, and we're. You know, you're trying to make the most educated guess you can. Um, so great. Uh -huh. And that's not resurgent, right? Nope. Yeah, not 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 really relevant. Yeah. Um, yeah, then B is resurgent. So we know that one. That one sounds good to us. Though I do think, you know, you should always keep in the back of your head that like maybe you're wrong when yeah. you, when you guess an answer choice and it's there. Um, but we'll for now we definitely say that's it's got a high probability of being correct. 
Uh-huh. Uh, recrudescent. Recrudescent? Recrudescent, I, yeah. Recrudescent. I have no idea what it is, but <laughs> if I were to guess, I would say it's the opposite of evanescent. That's my guess. Okay. Let uh but I yeah, I don't I just that one I just don't know at all. So maybe we just move on from Let's it. move on. Right. Yep. Let's yeah. do it like like you would do it on the test. Okay. So um, then transitory. Transitory, thanks to our good friend Jerome Powell, is a word that I know pretty well. Oh nice. Um and yeah, transitory is is not gonna fit here because transitory means that it's gonna come and go. Did Mr. Powell uh, say that inflation was going to be transitory, or or that he? Yes, exactly. Okay, yeah. Got no, it. He, he said he said that it was going to be, and then it wasn't. Oh um, right, right, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. So that um, transitory, I know, thanks to you know, reading some news sources that uh-huh. I was used in context. Another good prep tip. Yeah. Um, controversial. I just don't think that controversial is like relevant at all. Yeah. Like protectionism being controversial has nothing to do with whether it's coming back or not. Agreed. And then inimical. Mm-hmm. I also don't know what it is. So we're kind of left with resurgent, and then we're picking between recrudescent, uh, recrudescent, and inimical. And if I was going to just like stick my finger in the air, I'd probably go with the recrudescent because. Evanescent was an answer that was kind of the opposite of what we wanted, and I'm just guessing that recrudescent is the opposite of evanescent, which would make it an answer that we did want. But that's like my very, you know, at this point I made three assumptions. (laughs) So uh, I feel like there's probably a better way to come to an answer, and then we can talk about which one is correct. Well, if our prediction was coming back, Uh what do you notice about recrudescent breaking it up? Oh yeah, it does have the re. Got the re. Re re means generally like repeating. So if if you don't have a better reason than than that, yeah. and you're and you, you know don't know all the meanings of the words, why not why not go with that? And it's not a perfect method, but re does indeed fulfill what we're looking for here. It is the other re word. If you're thinking coming coming back, you should you should go with that. It does mean. I think the root crude here is not what we would think of for crude. It has, has to do with the idea of growing. It's almost like a, a plant that died away for the winter and is growing back. Um, so mm-hmm. that's, that's the one you want. You know, inimical, interestingly, if, even though those are eyes in the word inimical, if you change those eyes to ease, you have enemy and it is from the Latin for enemy. Uh. So it's, it hasn't, if you had any sense that inimical was a negative word, you might be able to rule it out for that. Because this argument, this statement isn't making an evaluation of this of protectionism, good or bad. It's just saying it's coming mm-hmm. back. Got it. Cool. Yeah, I think that's a very useful um, exercise. Thanks for, thanks for going through all these with me and doing it. I think that this will be a really helpful episode for people. Outstanding. Great. Well, thank you so much, Clay. This is Ben Giri Snacks, hosted by Tyler from Achievable with Clay Daniel from Claiborne Education. And Achievable has a great online Giri course you can try for free at achievable.me and use the code podcast to get 10% off at checkout.